Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on May 28, 2023. We've been in the Gospel of Luke for the better part of a year and a half or so, and we are now nearing the end. And this is part two of a section that I started last week from Luke chapter 22. Jesus knew at this point that it was his last night on earth. And so his actions and his words were doubly important. His public ministry was over, and so now he focused all his love and attention on this last evening on his disciples. Within hours, he would be arrested. By the next morning, he would be on the cross. His disciples would be confused and scared. Jesus would be gone. Peter, the presumed next in charge, would show signs of cowardice, and the disciples would scatter. Jesus knew all this was coming, and so he wanted to prepare his disciples, and he had many, many lessons to teach them on this very short evening. We need these lessons as well today, because though maybe our situation isn't quite as dire as it was for the disciples that night, as we approach the end times, we need these lessons. We need to know what Jesus wants us to do, and we need to know how to live, and we don't have a whole lot of time to learn it. So let's meet the characters as we did last week in this Luke chapter 22. The the Jewish leaders, outwardly respectful, extremely religious, but they rejected Jesus completely. And they grew angry, and that turned to hate, and then that turned to murder. Satan is unseen, but very present in this story. And as we read last week, he entered into Judas, and he led Judas to participate in the greatest act of treachery in human history. There's not been anything like it since. The disciples themselves were brave and wise except when they weren't, and they bounced back and forth, unfinished products like you and I, but very deeply loved by God. There's some unnamed disciples in this passage. They're relatively minor characters, except they did exactly what Jesus taught them to do, and that evening became everything that Jesus wanted it to be. Peter, of course, is bold and boastful and brash, but throughout the Gospels, he sways between greatness and disgrace, and on this evening, his character is still a very unfinished product. And then, of course, in the passage, the main character, Jesus, son of God, son of man, about to undergo the worst trial in history. Because God himself was facing death. But even in the face of that, he spent this last evening focusing his love and attention on the disciples. 
that you see, no, woe is me. But focusing on the disciples, I care about you. I love you. I want you to learn some things. And he taught them that night. So these are the characters that we will read about. Let's stand together as we read the passage, Luke 22, verses 7 through 38. It's where we're going to begin. Here's how it reads. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asked, where is the guest room? where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They, they left him and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. And they began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. And Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you without purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. He said to them, but now if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciple said, See, Lord, here are two swords. That's enough, he replied. You may be seated. This is obviously a very powerful passage. The Jewish leaders had already plotted 
Satan had already entered into Judas, but Jesus was focused on preparing his disciples. He had some unnamed disciples to lead them to a place where they could celebrate the Passover without fear of interruption. He warned them of treachery. He taught of suffering and death. He showed what to do so that they would always remember what our faith is all about. He taught them the nature of leadership and love. There, there are many lessons. I've just numbered nine of them, some of which I gave you last week as we continue today. But we need these lessons if you and I are going to follow Jesus today. So the first three are quick reviews from last week. A lesson from the Jewish leaders, be ready for opposition. Jesus faced it. His disciples face it. The church today will face it. Let's just make sure we're going to have opposition. We get it for the right reason because we've taken a very strong stand for Jesus. Lesson number two from Judas. We talked about this last week. Don't compromise. Because when you begin to go down the path of compromise, it leads to hypocrisy and ultimately to disaster. Judas was a very trusted disciple. But he went from compromise, stealing a little bit of, of money, to out-and-out hypocrisy, ultimately betrayal, and then Satan actually entered him and controlled him. And if you know the rest of his story, it ended in disaster when he killed himself. It's a lesson we should all fear because we can appear to be disciples and yet be headed down the wrong path. That was part of last week. Number three, from the disciples, Jesus taught them to seek to serve, not to seek to lead. The disciples wanted promotion. I'm the greatest. I'm number one. Jesus wanted faithful servants. Service, serving God is a key to so many things in life. It's a key to spiritual growth. Sometimes we think it's all about learning, sitting in class. No, the, the, the key to spiritual growth is taking what you've learned and actually serving God. Serving your family is a key to a healthy family life. Serving your church is a key to a healthy church. Serving others brings happiness. Faithful service is what God wants. Don't seek to be the guy. Seek to be the servant, Jesus taught his disciples. And today we move on with the next lesson, and that's a lesson from an unnamed disciple. And the lesson is this, do your job. We don't know his name. We don't know his rank. We don't know his position, except that Jesus had given him a job, and he did it. The job was pretty simple. When you see my disciples come into Jerusalem, then I want you to pick up a water jar, and they will follow you. And when you get to the house, they're going to ask you a certain question, and then you will know that they are my disciples, and you can take them up to a safe room where we can spend the evening, and no one, not even Judas, will know ahead of time so I will be able to teach my disciples and celebrate the Passover as I had planned. I want you to see this about him. He wasn't important enough for Luke to even give him a name. 
But without him, the disciples wouldn't know where to go. Jesus would probably have been arrested earlier in the evening. Jesus would never have the opportunity to wash their feet. He would never be able to institute the Lord's Supper. He would never have been able to teach the lessons that we'll learn today. So I want you to understand the reality. Every job given by Jesus is important, including yours. And I hope you know what that job is, but if not, I'm going to ask you to pray about it. Ask God, what is it you want me to do? Because too often we look at church and it's the worship leader's job and it's the pastor's job and it's the deacon's job and it's the teacher's job. The reality of church life is we all have a job in your family, in the church, in America. We all have a job and success depends on everybody doing their job. You may remember the date, January 28, 1986. United States Space Shuttle Challenger exploded 73 minutes after liftoff in a horrible disaster. Seven astronauts lost their job. It wasn't due to operator error. It wasn't due to massive engine failure. The primary cause of the explosion was the failure of two O-rings, a very common mechanical component in almost everything. And I want you to understand the lesson. Every piece is important. In God's kingdom, every job is important. So do you know what your job is? God, why am I here? Why did you bring me to this church? What's my role in the family? What am I supposed to be doing? Every job is important, and a church is only healthy when everybody does their job. God doesn't hide those from us, but we need to want to know what it is. And so we ask God, why am I here? What do you want me to do? It may be something important in the eyes of the world. It may be something unimportant in the eyes of the world. Nobody may ever know your name if you're doing your job. That's not the point. But every part, every point is important. And a church is only healthy when it operates that way. Too often today we think of going to church. More and more people are just saying, I'm just going to watch online. No, the reality of church is every person is important. Every piece is important. And so you ask God, what's my role? What's my job? And you do it to the best of your ability. That's a lesson from an unnamed disciple. Now let's take lessons five and six together from Simon Peter. Remember that you are weak. And number six, so don't boast. Did you hear what Jesus told Satan Simon, Simon, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Satan wants to destroy you, Peter. But I prayed for you, Jesus said. And then did you notice his boastful words? Lord, I'm ready to go to prison and even to death. Man, they arrest you. I will be with you. They crucify you. I'll be on the cross right next to you. But as Jesus predicted three times 
in just the next few hours, he denied Jesus. Bold, boastful, confident Peter became a coward. And then he cried like a baby when he realized it. Listen, there's way too much boasting in today's church about who is the holiest, who has the strongest faith, who is the smartest, who is right. It turns people off, but especially it turns Jesus off. And one of the real reasons why the church struggles in American culture today is because instead of coming across as grateful sinners in need of God's grace and in need of His forgiveness, we come across as holier than thou, as the moral arbiters of American life. We need to learn a lesson from Peter. He who boasts about himself is setting himself up for failure and for shame. I am weak, but he is strong. It is more than just a song. There's a great lesson in there. So, so we need to stop communicating how great we are. No, we're weak sinners. We've struggled. We've all failed. We've all made mistakes. We've all been stupid. And we need to be, admit that, that we are grateful sinners in need of God's forgiveness. And we need to be willing to say that publicly instead of saying how great we are. You probably didn't see it because I was on the front row, but uh, um, I always chuckle when um, we, we sing that song, How Great Thou Art. It's a great song. But I had a deacon one time whose name was Art. And after his wife sang that song, Marge Carlton sang that song, as a, a uh, special in a little church, he came up and he publicly said, shouldn't there be a comma there? How great thou art. <laughs> Missed the whole point. He knew it. He was joking. He is great. We are not. And when we forget that, we're setting not just our own lives, but our church up for failure went to a Celebrate Recovery meeting with someone not too long ago. And every time they stand to speak, it starts that way. I, I'm a grateful servant and follower of Jesus Christ who has been forgiven for much. That's a great lesson for the church because that's who we are. So remember you're weak and don't boast. Lesson Seven is also from Peter, or miraculously what Jesus said to Peter. Peter, help others. When you turn back, strengthen your brothers. You're going to fail, Peter. I will forgive you because I love you. When you turn back to me, help others. One of the keys, again, to a healthy church life or just being a healthy disciple of Jesus is that we help each other. Instead of judging or condemning, we admit our faults, 
we learn from them, and then we help others. Our failures should lead us to repentance, and then our failures should be a stepping stone to help someone else. After camping on one of our summer vacations, I believe that year we had camped in the, the, the cool redwood forest of, of northern California and along the beach. About mid-July, we returned to the heat and the traffic of Arizona. We'd had the whole trip without trouble, but just a few miles down Interstate 10 coming in from California, um, we had a caravan of about three vehicles, and I think Dawn was driving the last vehicle, and and I could see her pull off to the side because she had a flat tire. Well, I'm in the front, so I couldn't get there immediately. So I went up to the next exit, and then I had to loop around and go past that exit, and then come around and come up and pulled up behind her. And by the time I got there, the spare was already on, and she was ready to go. I mean, how did you do that? She said, I didn't. She said, a man pulled in behind me, had a hydraulic lift in the back of his truck, used it, raised it, changed it for me, and only took three or four minutes And when we asked him, he was already gone by the time I got there. Don talked to him. He said, my mom had had a flat tire once. We didn't have all the tools, and she was in the heat, and I felt like a failure. And so I decided I would always be equipped, and I would always stop and help others. And so that was just part of his life. I don't know how many times he did it. I couldn't even thank him. Don did. I couldn't even... Thank him for what he did. But that's the attitude of Jesus. Man, don't, don't, don't heap misery upon yourself. What a horrible, terrible person I am. Confess it to God. Repent. And then use it to strengthen others. If you've overcome addiction, I could point you to hundreds of addicted people who need help. Help them. If you did stupid then help others overcome the results of their own stupidity. If you've been a success, teach teenagers and children and young adults how to get there. Don't make church all about me, what I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see. Anytime we make church all about me, we're setting our church up for failure. Because we're a congregation, a family, where we help each other, strengthen each other, encourage each other, teach each other. It's not a matter of just coming and sitting in a pew and learning from pastor and singing some songs. It's when you failed, Peter, come back and strengthen your brothers. Lesson number eight from Jesus. Don't forget what it's all about. And I love the fact that he just didn't use words. He used two of the most common food items that are available in any culture anywhere. He took a piece of bread and he took a cup of juice. And he taught us to remember what it's all about. It's one of only 
two commands given by Jesus that we regularly use in, in worship, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And so we take bread and juice as a tool to remember what it's all about. In short, it's about a God who loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us, offering forgiveness of sin and eternal life to anyone who would believe in him. And we can never forget that. That's the heart of who we are and what we believe. We're believers of Jesus, followers of Jesus, and doers of the work of Jesus. And so he reminded us something we need constantly. Don't forget. It's all about me. Hey, e even as a pastor, my life gets crazy. My to-do list is never completed. My email inbox is never fully answered. In addition to a very busy congregation, I've got nine kids, nine grandkids. There's a lot going on. And it's easy to become just task-oriented. I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. In addition to normal responsibilities, and I'm not complaining, that's just part of being a pastor. I had two funerals this week, got another one next week, got a wedding in Flagstaff this week. One of our members, Megan Rupert, is getting married up there. I'll be going 14 different directions every day. I need it. Jesus saying, Jack, remember what it's all about. Remember what it's all about. Remember what it's all about. It's about my love for you and my death for you. Don't ever forget it. Your life is different than mine. But my hunch is a lot of you have that to-do list that never quite gets done. And in the midst of the busyness of life, we need to remember what it's all about. We have a God who loves us. He died for us. He forgave our sins, put us on the right path, gave us everlasting life, a life worth living here on earth, and some to look forward to someday. It's going to be even greater than anything we could ever imagine. We can never, ever forget that. Life's not about politics. It's not about the economy. It's not about just morality. It's about Jesus. And as his people, we can never forget that. And number nine, a warning from Jesus to his disciples that we need as well. It's going to get harder from here. I think that's the point of his final words. Hey, men, remember when I sent you out without bags, without sandals, without money, or without a sword? Yes, Lord, we remember. Well, now take your bag. Take your extra clothes. Take your money. Take your sword. Because it's going to be harder. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be struggles. It won't be easy anymore. You're going to be surrounded by people who are not good people and who won't always take care of you. So take everything, for you will have enemies. And his disciples found that out very quickly. After the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, they found out almost immediately they had enemies. Enemies who wanted to persecute them, enemies who wanted to kill them. And so one by one, they were killed. Listen, we've had it easy in America. And so we probably have grown fat and lazy because we haven't had persecution. We haven't had 
hatred. For most of American history, it was considered that you should go to church. Even among the people who didn't, it's a good thing. Go to church. And now we're finding out we got enemies, and there's hatred, and people don't agree with us. That's okay. Jesus warned us of that. And so we need to strengthen ourselves and make sure we're walking with him. I'm a student of Christian history. I, I, I love to read the stories of Christians who have gone before. I'm reading one right now. And Jesus has been right. There have been glorious times of revival. But there are also times in when it seems that the power of the Holy Spirit seems to wane. Now, Jesus never left us, and he never will, and his Holy Spirit will always be with us. But as promised, he did say that there will be tough times. And with the rise of ungodliness and immorality and spiritual apathy and the lack of faith and more and more even Americans just becoming out-and-out atheists, we may be in those times right now. So I'm not telling you what some preachers will say. Except Jesus, boom, and it's going to get easy. Oh, except Jesus, your sins will be forgiven. You'll have a life worth living. You'll have eternal life. But you will have some struggles and some people who will reject you. That's reality. They did it to Jesus. Why wouldn't they expect they would do it to a Jesus follower? Listen, these are all important lessons. And the disciples needed them because they were about to enter into tough times. We need them because we don't know the future. And though I pray for a spiritual awakening, and I encourage you to do the same all the time, the times look right now spiritually bleak. So how are we supposed to respond? I want to close with just three simple things. Not necessarily simple. They're simple to say, harder to do. Number one, focus on Jesus above all else. I know you got jobs and you got money concerns, you got family issues, you got all kinds of things going on in your life. Our job as Jesus followers is to focus on Jesus first above everything else. That's got to be number one. I'm a pastor, I got to remind myself of that all the time. You do as well. It's about Jesus, loving Jesus, serving Jesus, believing in Jesus, talking to people about Jesus, loving people like Jesus loved people, doing the things that Jesus did. That's got to be my focus. Number two, accept a job from Jesus and do it. Every believer of every age has been called by Jesus, not just to believe in him, but to serve him. So if you don't know what that is right now, don't make it rocket science. Just ask him, what is it you want me to do? And then do it. Your job this week and next week might be different. That's okay. I mean, this unnamed disciple, he did one job one Thursday evening. We don't know what he did the rest of his life. My hunches, Jesus gave him a bunch of other things to do. And I've told you this before, but it's true. I've never gone before Jesus and say, Jesus, what is it you want me to do? And have Jesus say, can't think of anything right now, Jack. You're good. No problem. I'll call you if I need you. Because he wants all of us to be doing his work. And he's given us all a job. Our job is to do it to the very best of our ability. And sometimes we're going to feel like a failure. I didn't do that very well. Don't worry about that. You just do it to the best of your ability. And you trust God.
Then number three, and I want you to do this this week specifically. I want you to do it this week. Help a hurting person this week with something you have learned. Maybe even from your own failure. Man, I wish I'd done that better. Let me help you with that. I got nine kids. I keep thinking constantly. Man, I wish I'd done that better. Wish I'd have been a little more clear on that. Wish I'd said I'd love you a few more times, maybe a few hundred more times. I just saw someone discipline their kids very effectively. Man, I wish I'd have done that instead of just getting mad. You know, I can look back and see there's a thousand things I could have done better. I can mope. Or I can just be honest and admit that I'm not perfect like everybody else and I could do better. And I can help others and teach others how to do better. That's a big part of what we are. We are sinners saved by the grace of God, sent back into the world to help others. So you find somebody you can help this week. No excuses, no reasons. Age is not a factor. This is true of an 8-year-old. is true of an 88-year-old. You find some way that you can help others because that's part of the Christian faith. Hey, this was an important evening for Jesus. Not preaching to the world, but preaching to his own disciples. This is how I want you to live. So I didn't tell you today how to become a Christian so much. As I told you, th- these are the lessons Jesus gave us, his disciples, so that we might know how to live. Now, if you've heard enough and you are ready to receive Jesus, we'd be honored to help you. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net. And you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.